If sometimes scripture floods our mind, sometimes lyrics uh, floods our mind. You know, I, I know not how the Spirit moves, convicting men of sin, you know, drawing us to Himself, make us His own. But well, you know, talk about the one who touched the hem of His garment. <laughs> but I'm so thankful. That one day, he reached down and touched me. Child of God, aren't you thankful for that? He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now... I know he touched me and made me whole. Aren't you thankful, child of God, that one day, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet dead in trespasses of sin, far from the covenants of promise, the Lord opened our eyes and he touched us and made us whole. Oh, I'm so thankful to the Lord, and a verse that kept coming to me that we've talked about in the past, but another lyric of a song came to me in the midst of it. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Do we need reminding over and over? Well, I do. I do. And so the Spirit was reminding me of this, so I'm going to remind you as well. It's uh, 2 Thessalonians, 1st chapter, verses 11 and 12, New King James. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Heavenly Father, I, I just ask, pour out your Spirit upon us. Help us all to receive the word that you would have for each and every one of us, because, Father, you know us. You know our condition. You know where we're at. And so, Lord, I know that you can speak to the need of each heart that is here today through your word. So, word of God, speak. Oh, Lord, protect us from error. Guard my heart and my mind, Lord, and all that, that you would speak. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to read this again, only from the ESV. I've got it there in ESV. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That it's the Lord that moves in our hearts and in our minds. It's the Lord that directs our steps. It's the Lord through whose power and grace that, that we endeavor to walk this Christian life. 
so that he would make us worthy of his calling, so that we might fulfill every, every resolve for good by his power, by his might. And as already has been said, with the beginning of a new calendar year comes many varied thoughts, you know, time of reflection on the past year. And I know in this congregation, many of you have gone through many trials, many ups and downs in, in, in uh, this life. And, and perhaps uh, as we're getting ready to turn the page on a new year, we have thoughts of, boy, if, 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 if last year was like this, what's the new year going to hold? What's expectations? What do we have? What's our hope for this year? Because here's, here's a verse that I came across. It's Haggai 1, verse 5. And this, the, the people of God had become careless in their relationship with him, and the Lord rebuked them in the midst of it. They, they were so concerned about themselves. The temple lay in ruins. And, and here's what the Lord said. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He urged them to reflect on some of the things that's happening to them and to evaluate their spirituality in light of what God had told them. And so perhaps in the beginning of this new year, it would be an ideal time for us all to stop and listen to the Lord as he may be saying to us, consider your ways. It's uh, the beginning of a new year is an ideal time to stop and to look up and to consider our ways and... and uh, perhaps to have a deeper resolve. And again, this has all been talked about already. And so if my voice gives out, you've heard sermons already today. And so I'm just trusting the Lord that he's going to let me speak what I need to speak. And then when the voice is gone, I know I'm done. And uh, so, so here, let me ask this question. Is it good to make resolutions? Well, uh, yes, if you qualify the resolution. Because any resolution is only as good as the strength that can be found to accomplish it. So by whose strength are you trusting to accomplish your resolution? So then you have to ask yourself, is this resolution of the Lord? Jonathan Edwards, I know I've mentioned this many times through the years, the great Puritan preacher, at the beginning of his ministry compiled a list over time of 70 resolutions, and you can, I didn't copy them off, you can get online, look up uh, Jonathan Edwards' resolutions and read the list, but before he wrote the first resolution, he said this, he wrote this, being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions now listen, so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. See, that's how you make a resolution, isn't it? That, that I humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. And so I believe that's the principle that, that we should use in any resolve that we would make. May it be agreeable with His will. And if it is, He will enable us to accomplish it. Amen? 
If it's agreeable with his will, he will enable us. And I know that's been talked about this morning, that he will enable us in all things that he is calling us to. Because other than a foundation based on God's will and his word and empowered by the Holy Spirit, any other resolution is what? It's merely a function of one's personal grit and determination, isn't it? And nothing more. It's a personal grit and determination to better oneself. And so many New Year's resolutions are simply that. Just looking to self-help, not looking, is this agreeable to the Lord? Is this something that's, that's going to be beneficial to, to the Lord and, and to my walk with the Lord? But rather, maybe we, may we be filled with the Holy Spirit and have a heart's desire to be counted worthy of His calling. Now, every born-again believer has been called of God, amen? Romans 8.30 Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> One day he called, didn't he? With a holy calling. 1 Peter 2.9 but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called with a holy calling into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul talked much about walking worthy of God's calling. Let's read a few of those. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 11 and 12. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all holiness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Philippians 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with, filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power. Do you see Paul over and over and over, what he's talking about over and over again? Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Worthy. 
to, to walk, to conduct ourselves in a manner that is fitting, proper, appropriate for the child of God. To walk worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing Him. Fully pleasing Him. Look at Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is what? Impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of, of those who diligently seek him. So the call to walk worthy is what? It's, it's a call to walk by faith. Because it is impossible to walk worthy and please the Lord. Because the only way without faith it is impossible to please him. So it is a walk of faith. John Piper said it this way. Faith looks away from itself to the worth and ability and grace and strength of another. <laughs> that, that's it, isn't it? Faith looks away from itself to the worth and ability and grace and strength of another. So walking worthy of the Lord would mean acting in a way that shows how worthy and able and gracious and strong the Lord is, end quote. That's walking worthy. Not, not, not to make us, it's not, not us. It, it's to make Him glorious, you see. Every resolve that, that we make for good and every work of faith is only accomplished by His power, strengthened with all might according to His power. And why, 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 why should it be our desire to walk worthy? Verse 12, 2 Thessalonians 1. Why? Why is, why, why is it important? Why is, should it be our desire to walk worthy of the calling? That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. That he would be made glorious. Psalms 37 Verses 4 through 5. Delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust also in him, and he will bring us to pass. So those who delight in the Lord, who are committed to the Lord and truly trust him, will receive the desires of their hearts. Why? Because they desire what God desires. Is that true? When our desires are God's desires, we will have the desires of our heart. So all may we have our heart in tune with the Lord. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I know many will take the last part of that verse and twist that into something it's not saying. Yeah, but, but if we are truly abiding, our desires will be His desires, and our desires will be according to His will. Amen? First uh, John 5, verses 14 and 15. If anybody ever tries to take John 15, 7 and twist it into this word of faith, name it, claim it, whatever you desire, take them to First John 5, verses 14 and 15. Read them this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, how? According to his will, he hears us. Every prayer 
Everything we ask that's according to his will, he delivers. He does. Now, now the timing of it will be in his timing, but, but he will deliver it at some point. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, and there's the key part, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. As his word has said it. He's a God who cannot lie. So he is faithful in the midst of all this. Oh, that, that we would ask not of selfishness, of ourselves, for personal gain, for personal whatever. You know, James talked about that, didn't he? In James 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive. Why? <laughs> Why would we pray and pray and pray and pray and not receive it? Well, perhaps. See, it, it's one of two things. Perhaps it's not yet in God's timing, or the other thing is that we are asking amiss. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, that our prayers, that our resolves would be the desires of God and not our own fleshly, selfish desires. So, so exa examine our heart. Are we out to make God glorious? Or are we out for personal pleasure? That our resolves would be of God and be accompanied by the power of God that is in us and will enable us to accomplish those resolves. 1 Peter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now isn't Peter saying the same thing that Paul was saying? That, that we should speak and minister in the ability, in the power that God supplies. Why? Why? That in all things God may be glorified. See, it's that again. Not, not for self, but that He would be made glorious. That every resolve would be accompanied with the ability that God supplies, the strength that He supplies, the power that He supplies, why? That in all things God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. First Thess or Second Thessalonians 1.12 again. That the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, in you and Him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know through the years I've talked about this, but I think it's always worth talking about. Because the question might come up, well, if it's God's power, if it's God's strength, if it's His supply, then what's my part? Is any of this up to me? Is any of my will a part of this? 1 Corinthians 15.10 
By the grace of God I am what I am, that his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, <laughs> but the grace of God which was with me. Paul says, I labored, and he did, didn't he? But then he says, but it wasn't me. It was the Lord. I labored, yet not I. That's a hard thing to convey, isn't it? It was the grace of God which was with me. Because God is sovereign, amen? So if he is sovereign, what part is me here on this earth? And I, and I want to go again to John Piper because he, he is the wordsmith. He can explain things so well. And, and I thought this was good. Just let me read. <clears throat> grace is an active present, transformative, obedience-enabling power. <laughs> That's Piper, isn't it? Grace is an active, present, transformative, obedience-enabling power. The first point is that seeking the power of God to fulfill our good resolves does not mean that we don't really resolve or that we don't really use willpower, the engagement of God's power never takes the place of the engagement of our will. Now keep listening. The power of God in sanctification never makes us passive. Because people will say, God is sovereign. I'll just sit back and if he's sovereign, then it's all going to happen. The power of God engages itself beneath or behind and within our will, not in place of our will. Let me read that again. The power of God engages itself beneath or behind and within our will, not in place of our will. The evidence of God's power in our lives is not the absence of our willing, but the strength of our willing. That's good, isn't it? The evidence of God's power in our lives is not the absence of our willing, but the strength of our willing. Anyone who says, well, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and so I will just sit back and do nothing, does not really believe in the sovereignty of God. For why would someone who believes in God's sovereignty so blatantly disobey him? When you sit back and do nothing, you are not doing nothing. You are actively engaging your will in a decision to set back. And if that is the way you handle sin or temptation in your life, it is blatant disobedience because we are commanded to wage a good warfare. Over and over, aren't we? And he gives some references. 1 Timothy 1.8 this, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may wage the good warfare and in resisting the devil James 4 verses 7 and 8 therefore submit to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded see and we are to strive for holiness Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. 
without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace. Submit to God. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands. Wage the good warfare. Engagement on our part. Let me keep reading. Part of the whole process of walking worthy of God's call is the active engagement of our will in resolving to do righteousness. If you have lingering sin in your life, or if you keep neglecting some good deed just because you have been waiting around to be saved without a fight, you are compounding your disobedience. God will never appear with power in your will in any other form than a good resolve that you make and keep. So the first point is that people who believe in the sovereignty of God must not fear to engage their wills in the struggle for holiness. Luke 13, 24. Strive to enter the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able Piper then goes on to say, So when I say that it is the duty of Christians to seek the power of God to fulfill their good resolves, I am assuming that they give themselves energetically to know God's will and to resolve it with all the power that lies within them. End quote. There's a charge there, isn't there? An examination to take place. I thought he brought up some Excellent points. As a child of God, our wills are not disengaged, but rather engaged by the will of God, by His power, His strength, and His grace. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. You see, we must work out what God has placed within. It's not a setback. It's not a just let go and let God. It's to be engaged. Not of our own power and strength, always remember that, engaged through his power, through His Word, engaged in prayer. See, see, above all, it's, it is God who is at work in the life of a believer. And if God began the work, He'll complete it. Amen? He's a God who cannot lie. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He is at work in us. He is at work in us to do for His good pleasure. And that can only be accomplished by and through His power. So we've all got to do something. Amen? But we must... Resolve to do it, not in our own strength, but in His. I labored more than these, but yet not I, but Christ in me. We must labor in a way that is not us, but it is us, but in such a fashion that it is Christ 
through us. So that puts a burden on us, if I want to call it a burden, that, that we would pray, that we would seek the Lord, that we would be in His Word, that we would be faithful to sit and meditate and to listen to Him. I must allow His will to direct my will so that my striving will not be in vain. That's a good statement, isn't it? For all of us, that, that we would allow His will to direct our will, that our striving would not be in vain. Well, how do we do that? Well, perhaps it breaks down to this very thought, our love for God, our love for Him. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Do I love him? With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. Do you love him? Above all other things, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And I know I've read this in the past. I want to read it again. This is a New Year's Day devotion that was from Blackaby's day-by-day devotional book, which we find to be very good. And it's based on John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Now from the devotion. Jesus has a wonderful way of restoring us when we fail him. He does not humiliate us. He does not criticize us, rather, he takes us aside and asks us to reaffirm our love for him. Peter miserably failed his Lord when he fled with the other disciples from the Garden of Gethsemane. Later, he publicly denied that he even knew Jesus. Peter must have wondered if he had been capable of being Jesus' disciples when he was so unfaithful to Jesus in his most crucial hour. As you begin a new year, you may be painfully aware that you have failed your Lord in many ways. Perhaps you were not faithful. Perhaps you disobeyed his word to you. Perhaps you denied him by the way you lived. Jesus will take you aside as he did Peter. He will not berate you He will not humiliate you. He will ask you to examine your love for him. He asked Peter, do you love me? If your answer like Peter's is yes, Lord, he will reaffirm his will for you. If you truly love him, you will obey him. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus does not need your resolutions, your recommitments, or your promises to try harder this year. If your resolve to obey God last year did not help you to be faithful 
It will not make you successful this year. Jesus asks for your love. If you truly love Him, your service for Him in the new year will be the quality He desires. (laughs) End quote. We've said it a lot. It all comes down to love, doesn't it? If we truly love Him, we love the Lord, His desires will become our desires. His commands will become our resolves because we love Him. It will be just a natural overflow of the heart, you see. When we love Him with all our heart, our soul, and mind, live life. Because we're, we're loving the Lord as we should, our desires will be His. And so we just we live life and be joyful in the midst of living life. Our striving will not be in vain and, and an effort of our own strength, but will be that overflow. If we love the Lord, will we obey His commandments? Yes. If we love Him, will we trust His promises? Yes. And perhaps a question that we need to ask ourselves is this, do I obey His commands? Have I been obeying His commands? Do I trust Him? Have I trusted Him? As I survey the past year, is there points that just glare out of where I failed? And if so, then then we need to ask ourselves, is there there areas that need repenting from? Is there areas that where I failed the Lord and I didn't resolve that in prayer and repentance and perhaps even today we need to do that. And in the midst of looking back, we can also look back and see where the Lord has helped us, can't we? We can look back and see those times where He was faithful. And we can see, because we can look back in hindsight now, we can see the very beginning of things of how the Lord was holding us fast. Even at the moment when we thought all hope was lost, He was holding us. And now we can look back on it and go, yes, He was. He was holding me. And He brought me through that. So praise His holy name. So we can look back and see failure. We can look back and see victories. And may we learn from both. Amen? May may we learn from failures, and may we learn from victories. And perhaps what we can learn about both is this, that God is faithful. He is faithful to His children. He'll not leave us nor forsake us. Oh, I may forsake Him, but He'll not forsake me. So perhaps as we're even considering that, as we reflect, (laughs) because some might be at that point where we need to be shaken. We've been sleeping. We've been coasting. We've been setting back. God's sovereign. He'll take care of it. And we need to be awakened from our slumber. How about Romans 13, verses 1 through 4? Are you ready for this? (laughs) 
And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Is there some doing that has to take place with that? Yes. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Man. There it is, isn't it? Put on the Lord Jesus. Apostle Paul brings that out over and over and over again in his writing. Put on the Lord Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh. There's a lyric in that one old song we did. Away from the mire and away from the clay. What was that talking about? Uh, away from the flesh. Uh, away from the things of the world that was draws to ourselves. The mire of this world and the clay, our flesh. God leads us along, bringing us to himself. So we all, may we all have a resolve to put on the Lord Jesus. May we all have a resolve to love the Lord with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. To love him as we should. And to remember this. John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Do we need the Lord? Do we need to be moved along by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do we need to pray? Yes. Do we need His Word? Yes. Because without Him, we can do nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give thanks for Your Word. And Lord, help it to sink into our hearts and minds that we may, that I may meditate upon it. And not just leave it here as we walk out the door, to take it with us, and that we would all meditate upon what we've heard today so that it may enlighten areas of our walk, of our heart, that it may awaken us in areas where perhaps I and we have been slumbering and sleeping. Help us, Father, to know what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to walk not in our own strength, but in yours. Help us, Lord, help me to be diligent, to strive according to what your word calls us to strive for, but to do it in such a way that it is not just me, but it is Christ in me. For we know that when we're being moved along in Christ. 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, that great things can and will happen. So help us, Lord, and as we have just a couple days left of this year, to perhaps use it to reflect back. As I've said, Lord, that we may see failures, but I know we'll also see victories. So, Father, help us to learn from both and to trust you more, to obey you more, to love you more. And, Father, we know that, that that's the key to love you as we should. Oh, help me, Father, to love you as I should. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.